This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Welcome to It's All Political, the San Francisco Chronicle's political podcast. I'm Joe Garofoli, the Chronicle's senior political writer, and today we're talking about Republican Glenn Youngkin's upset victory in the Virginia governor's race and what it could mean for California. Youngkin was an underdog in this race. He never held public office before, little name recognition, but he tapped into parental anger and frustration from the pandemic. And he didn't alienate moderate voters, namely by holding Donald Trump at somewhat of a distance. So what lessons could Youngkin's victory have for California Republicans who are on the edge of relevancy here? Here to break it down with me is the Chronicle's Washington correspondent, Tal Copen. And now, here's our conversation about what happened in Virginia and could it happen in California? Tal Copen, from your home in the Washington, D.C. metropolitan area to mine in Oakland, California, welcome back to It's All Political. How are you doing? Hey, I'm good. How are you? All right. So the, the whole nation was watching these, this governor's race Tuesday in Virginia. Uh, two months ago, we probably never would have planned on having this podcast uh, <laughs> because uh, Democrat Terry McAuliffe was supposed to run away with this election. He'd already served a term as a governor. He had superior name recognition, all the money he needed, and he's facing a guy that had never held public office before and, and probably nobody outside of Virginia had heard of. So, so what happened? How did Republican Glenn Youngkin, a wealthy guy, made his money as a private equity investor, how did he win? Anytime we have something like this, everyone wants to boil it down to one thing. But as always, it's never one thing. You know, it's a combination of factors, including President Biden's sagging approval ratings nationwide. You know, historically, the Virginia governor's race goes to it, it happens in these off years. So the year after a new president is elected, almost 100 percent of the time, historically, the op opposing party wins the Virginia gubernatorial race the next year. So, you know, those kinds of top of the national political spectrum factors were were going to be an anchor around McAuliffe's neck. Then you get to the fact that McAuliffe didn't really have a coherent message in this race. You know, back in the primary, in the Virginia primary, McAuliffe ran away with it because there was a sense among the Democratic establishment that he was a big fundraiser and a known entity. And a lot of the things that allowed Biden to win, you know, the primary in 2020 against Trump really propelled McAuliffe over some newer, more, you know, interesting kinds of candidates, you know, black women. And then, you know, flash forward to 2021, the dynamic is very different. And McAuliffe was still running against Trump, who wasn't on the ticket. And Glenn Youngkin kind of assiduously avoided Trump as much as he could possibly get away with and kept him at a bit of arm's length. And then 
on top of all that, you know, Yunkin really tapped into, he had some really good sort of positive ads, and then he tapped into this real frustration among parents coming out of COVID-related shutdowns and just feeling like they don't have really a say in their kids' educations. And then McAuliffe made this statement, you know, in a debate, basically that parents shouldn't have a say over what's taught in schools. And that was run in sort of a devastating negative campaign ad over and over. And so, you know, you put all those factors together and it's not entirely surprising at the end of the day that Youngkin was able to overcome Biden's, you know, 10-point victory in Virginia to eke out this sort of 51% win. All right, let's let's take this home to California. Uh, California Republican Party, as we have detailed many times here, <laughs> remains barely relevant uh, in much of the state. Voters haven't elected a Republican statewide since 2006. Uh, one of the people uh, uh, then, of course, was named Arnold Schwarzenegger with 100% name recognition. <laughs> Democrats hold a super majority in the legislature and a vast majority of the House seats in California. Did did Glenn Youngkin's uh, victory show California Republicans a path forward to relevancy and perhaps the same kind of uh, eke it out kind of victory that you just spelled out? Well, you know, I think our readers know that, like, the odds of Republicans winning the Californian governorship or flipping a Senate seat are extremely low. It's just an overwhelmingly Democratic state. That said... Both are up this time and, and there is not a candidate for each. No. And, you know, that said, there there are some very interesting lessons out of this race. I mean, especially, you know, this race happening a few months, which I mean, it's incredible that it was only a few months ago that we had the recall. It feels like it was last year or something. But, oh you know, God, yeah. September's recall... Republicans in California, the subset of the electorate in California that is Republican, ended up picking Larry Elder out of their field of candidates, who was super pro-Trump. I mean, he was the Trumpiest candidate you could have sort of found in that field. And he got trounced at the state level. Meanwhile, you have Glenn Youngkin, where, you know, McAuliffe tried to do what Newsom did, which is run against Trumpism, and no one bought it because the Democrats weren't able to tarnish Yunkin with the Trumpism brand. And he was really disciplined. And you have to say the former president was pretty disciplined in not being goaded into inserting himself into the race. And so, you know, there is, a, a I think, an important question for California Republicans of did we embrace Trump too much? And is there a path forward? Maybe not at the very top of the ticket, but in other races in California, is there a path forward where you kind of wink and nod at Trumpism, but keep yourself distanced from it? Well, we have we already have a couple of candidates uh, doing that here in California. One of them is Anne-Marie Schubert. She's the Sacramento district attorney. She's a lifelong Republican. She turned uh, independent a couple of years ago, and she's running for state attorney general. I, we had her on the podcast uh, a couple months back, uh, and I, you know, tried to get her, asked her, say, "Who did you vote for? Did you vote for Trump?" You know, because that is a, that's almost a disqualifier for for many voters, mm -hmm. especially independent voters. And she said she wrote in uh, Condoleezza Rice uh, both times, and she's like, you know, this, I, I'm not, I'm not, you know, Trump. Eh. She kind of shrugged him off. 
Lonnie Chen, we know him from uh, Meet the Press. He's a, uh, <laughs> a, 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 a long, you know, he's a, we know many people know him as a pundit. He also yeah. is at the Hoover Institution here, top uh, Romney and Rubio policy advisor. He is running for state controller, first run. I, 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 I could I could put him in a hammerlock and he wouldn't tell me if he voted for Trump <laughs> or not. Same thing on the on the. Uh, so there is the, the, that is a couple candidates in 2022 are already here in California starting to distance themselves from Trump or at least give them the not the full Heisman, but sort of a soft stiff arm. Yeah. And, you know, California has a different sort of quote unquote primary system too. I mean, we California doesn't have your typical primary. They have this top two runoff. And so, you know, he the challenge for Republicans is peeling off enough independence while not alienating other Republicans entirely to make it into that category. And so, you know, and and and, and that may have been Part of what happened with the recall is that it wasn't your typical top two runoff system. Um, right. It it was it was almost more of a primary in the sense that you had sort of a field of challengers and then the incumbent uh, who were you know competing for for that vote. And so you're right. I mean, these two candidates are perfect examples, and it'll be very interesting to watch whether they can replicate this Yunkin playbook of you know I'm just a sensible businessman or moderate or, you know, what have you. Stop trying to litigate 2020. I'm looking ahead kind of thing. We'll have more of our conversation about the Virginia governor's race after this short break. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. And now, here's more of our conversation with the Chronicle's Washington correspondent, Tal Copen, about the Virginia governor's race. Mike Garcia, who is... uh, at this point, before the new maps are drawn, represents an area in northern uh, uh, Los Angeles County. Uh, he's hugged Trump from the get-go. He is uh, he is all in on Trump. Uh, he last night he had a statement that said, "You know, Virginia is a carbon copy of my district, and that's what uh, this is. This is a a good thing for me." Uh, but you know, that's hugging Trump in Virginia is one thing. Hugging Trump in California is a different one. Uh, then we have. Uh, uh, Michelle Steele uh, hugs uh, has, has been you know she's tight with the president. What about some of the other the other uh, members of Congress are are have also started to distance themselves from Trump or or have from almost the beginning? Yeah, I mean you know when you're talking about statewide office, which Yunkin was running for and Chen and Schubert would be running for, they have been able. To avoid and and you know this was Youngkin. Youngkin's a political novice, so you know they've been able to basically avoid any sort of record that would anchor them with Trump. That's not really possible in the House, and you know the GOP Majority Leader Kevin McCarthy, who comes from Bakersfield, he 
has really, I mean, there was a long, there was a long time where folks sort of saw him as this, oh, he's a California Republican. He kind of finds the middle ground. And like, that's gone. I mean, he, he has <laughs> fully embraced Trump. And even though in the wake of the January 6th insurrection, we saw him repudiate Trump, it's almost like he pretends that that was some sort of dream. Like mm. he, he, it never happened in his mind. <laughs> and, you know, you've seen a lot of the House Republicans follow his lead. And sure, McCarthy's Bakersfield district, heavily Republican, no real pressure on him to moderate. Uh, you know, your Nunes, it, it, folks like that, they they can be Republican because their electorate is reliably Republican. But for these swing seaters like Garcia, Garcia has kind of followed McCarthy's model. And it'll be interesting to see if that plays well for him. Whereas you look at someone like David Valadeo, you know, from the, the Central Valley, where he is one of the 10 House Republicans who voted to impeach the president. And, you know, young Kim, also from Southern California, like Garcia, she did not, she bucked Republicans and was in the minority of Republicans who voted to certify the 2020 election results and has, and has distanced herself in that way. And so, you know, again, it'll be interesting to see in 2022 with the very important asterisk that congressional maps are currently in the process of being drawn, and we don't actually know what these districts are really going to look like, which actually could be a huge factor for many of these candidates. And you can obviously follow our coverage on the redistricting process at sfchronicle.com. Yes. Oh, but, good plug, Tom. Wow, that was good. <laughs> I'm learning from you, Joe. Very good. Very good. But, but the point being that we will get a chance to see in action in the next midterm cycle whether you can make a discernible difference between the House members who kind of kept kept a little bit of Trump distance and the ones who didn't. Let's uh, talk a little bit more about the the parents part of of the Yunkin strategy here. Um, he uh, he, you know, parents, especially working parents, as, as you know, as you are, uh, are, are pissed off right now. They're with lingering resentments of how the school shutdowns were handled. Uh, that's not just a Virginia thing. Here in San Francisco, they're trying to recall three school board members. Uh, people gathered more than 200,000 signatures. That's like, you know, one of every, almost one of every four people who live in San Francisco to get the recall on the ballot. Uh, that's big. What what was he able to do there in in, in Virginia? And and uh, what 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 feelings that he was he able to tap into? Well, look, you know, the sort of popular national coverage was very focused on, you know, your your catchy Fox Newsified sort of culture wars like teaching critical race theory in schools, which is largely Trump, you know, I shouldn't say trumped up that. <laughs> that phrase is Actually, not loaded you should, forever. You should, you should yeah, say that. But, you should but, say you know, it's, 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 I don't know that that, for, for voters who aren't sort of religious Fox News viewers, I don't know if that resonates with them. You know, there's not, this whole, Not here, not here. That's not working. Well, certainly here. not in California. There's this whole thing about a sort of a trans panic, you know, ploy with Loudoun County Schools, a horrific story of sexual assault, don't get me wrong, but- Republicans have have made that out as if it were some sort of trans student issue when it's really it, it's a horrible public safety failing, but it does it's not a it's not an issue of um, you know trans access to bathrooms as they portrayed it to be. But I don't think you know I think that those became the buzzy aspects of Youngkin's parents' campaign. But the truth is, 
Youngkin was able to convince parents that he was listening to them and hearing them. And McAuliffe just, I mean, he was so dismissive of the notion. And and you could make a very compelling argument as to why parents should not be developing curricula. That said, parents don't want to be told, your concerns are boring to me, sit down and shut up. And that's oh, essentially yeah. what McAuliffe did. And I mean, you know, Joe, I mean, you you've spoken to some experts. You you've you've been looking at this. I mean, this is this is happening in California to an extent, it, right? It, absolutely. There's two groups right now trying to qualify ballot measures that would be on the November 2022 ballot that would, you know, try and tap into this same sort of parental frustration. Both would give students somewhere between thirteen or fourteen thousand dollars annually. Any student who wants it, taxpayer money to use at the private or parochial school of their choice. And, and California Republicans, they are very open. They say, this is a get out the vote for us. This helps us because, you know, if they don't have a, a name person at the top of the ballot running for governor or Senate, as we alluded to earlier, uh, this this could help them. And and also in the Orange County suburbs, uh, the, uh, they feel that these issues could help turn out parents there. Uh, those are largely suburban districts where Michelle Steele and Young Kim are going to be defending their seats. A lot of parents down there, and they hope to tap into this same sort of frustration there. Um, but they, we, you know, we've talked about the the culture war stuff that that Youngkin tapped into also, and and one of them was a you know we don't see these ads here in California unless you're on YouTube and have a lot of free time. Uh, but one of his closing ads features the Virginia mother who sought to ban Beloved, and you know we all read that and, and uh, Toni Morrison's uh, Pulitzer Prize winning in 1987 novel talked about the horrors of slavery, because it gave her 17-year-old son nightmares when he had to read it for his AP English class. I mean, McAuliffe called the ad a racist dog whistle because it, quote, tried to silence a Black author. Uh, that that stuff, I, I don't think, would fly too far in California. You don't move beyond the base there. Right. But, you know, it, it, it speaks to the fact, it reminds me of the, you know, sort of catchphrase that came out of the 2016 election about, like, taking Trump seriously, but not literally. And I think that sort of sentiment is at play here, right? Where uh, most parents, I think, probably recognize that literature is literature. And, you know, there are times where it's it's worthwhile to grapple with difficult subject matter and, you know, things that are are challenging to students. That's part of why they go to school. But, you know, what McAuliffe McAuliffe was trying to win the intellectual argument here of, you know, no, no, you know, these are important things to teach, et cetera. And he completely ignored what parents were actually crying out for that Youngkin sort of understood, which is, you know, being heard and not feeling helpless in their in their kids' education. And at the end of the day, voters may have philosophies about how education policy should work. You know, we see this all the time in California with nimbyism, right? Of right. people say they want progressive policies, but when given the choice to make micro decisions about their neighborhoods, their votes don't always line up with their stated, you know, beliefs. So I do think that there's something in Glenn Youngkin sort of tapping into parental feelings that, you know, Democrats and Republicans in California are going to want to pay attention to because it's it's again about the substance of parental concerns and not necessarily this sort of esoteric intellectual argument, which 
at the end of the day, isn't going to move voters. Yeah, no matter what state you're in. You know, uh, Terry McAuliffe, for, for being close to the Clintons at all that time, unlike Bill Clinton, he did not feel anyone's pain, apparently. Tall, thanks so much. As always, thank you. I'd like to thank you all for listening and hope that you and your families are safe and healthy. I'd like to thank Tall for being on the podcast today. And thanks to the King, King Kaufman, for producing today's episode. We always like to throw some love out for our theme music. That song you're listening to is called Cattle Call, and it's written by Randy Clark and produced by Randy Clark and Crow Song. And remember, no matter if you give Donald Trump the Heisman or a hug, it's all political. <laughs>